Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with Ashwin, and today we are talking about It Follows from 2014, directed and written by David Robert Mitchell, starring Micah Monroe, Keir Gilchrist, Lily Seep, and Olivia Lucardi. This movie is about a young woman who contracts a supernatural STD that causes an entity to slowly and persistently stalk her with the intent to kill her and ultimately anybody who contracts the disease. And Ashwin, I think it's no secret, at least to our longtime listeners, that we both really like this movie, so maybe we'll just say that out front. (laughs) Just disclaimer up front, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll try to be balanced and, and talk about what people... I feel like I can see this movie for what it is and talk about what people might not like about it. I was worried. I thought that was going to be really hard for us to get into. It's What are, what are the odds like that like this like hits uh, both of ours uh, top five horror of all time, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's weird. I feel like we've... There are we do have different tastes for sure, but our our top fives weren't that crazy dissimilar. Like even though we only had a couple of matches, everything yeah. on it, yours, I was like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, and this is, I guess, one that we really agreed on. Yeah, yeah. I think you put it at number three, and I put it at number one. Right. Right. So supernatural, kind of like a slasher. It's got the aesthetic and vibe of a slasher, maybe, but it's not really structurally interesting um, maybe sla- it is slasher in terms of like someone's coming after you that that feeling yeah i mean it very much harkens to the i feel like it's very much an homage to like a halloween type movie you've got a killer who never runs and is just right. always walking very like focused on you oh yeah right kind of like a friday the 13th too right yeah yeah and it's like a supernatural entity you know it's not just like a a dude stalking you right right yeah yeah that, you know there are parts of it that kind of make me feel like it's a ghost story or like where you're seeing something that no one else is seeing too and it's coming after you right right and i like that about it a lot i just i think it's a great premise yeah it hits definitely on a lot of different angles it's cool yeah and i feel like it kind of hits some like psychological horror a little bit too because you have that element of jay being the only one who can see it right right yeah that's a lot of fun yeah uh, so this movie had a budget of two million, box office twenty three point three million, which is a pretty great profit. That's insane! Like I don't know the last movie we've seen that's like earned ten times more uh, than it spent. That's yeah, it's been a little high. while since we talked about one with that big of a a profit. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean these are kind of smaller numbers, but still like pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think they really advertise much for it, from right. what I remember. It sounded like their strategy was to go to video on demand sooner, but then it was such a success that they kept it in theaters longer. Yeah, and I think they had a limited release, and then like two weeks later did a wide one. Oh, okay, okay. Did you um, see this one in theaters? I did see it in theaters. Did you? Oh, cool. No, I think I like uh, pirated it, like I downloaded it or something from somewhere. Nice. I ha- I saw it with somebody who I often don't really have the same taste in movies with, and yeah. it was exciting because they really liked it, and we went to a bar afterwards, and they were playing the soundtrack while we were like talking about it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. The, the soundtrack, is it... I, I know, like, so there's this guy behind it, right, that does the soundtrack? Um, yeah, Disaster Piece. Disaster Piece, yeah. <laughs> but the 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 main uh song though is it, it feels like it's mostly like just a percussive like kind of uh uh like um symbols or something coming in like is there like a theme song or anything um 
Yeah, I mean, I think there are some themes, some motifs, recurring motifs throughout. Yeah, okay. I'll still um, give that soundtrack a listen. Yeah, man, you should. I, I listen to it just while I work sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's it holds up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's emotive. Like, you're thinking about, think about, like, the first time you see Jay. Like, there's some, like, touching music. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're um, right. Yeah. But, yeah, it is very, like, percussive and shrill at certain times, too, and almost grating. Yeah, especially, like, in the scary parts. Yeah, but I think this is one of the best scores of all time, in my opinion. It fits it really well. And and there's, like, a lot of, like, that, uh, like, ambiance, uh, 80s kind of synthy vibes going on, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, this dude scores a lot of video games. Oh, cool. That makes sense. And David Robert Mitchell chose him because he was a fan of a video game that he scored. Oh, cool. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah they, apparently the type of music he call he does is called chiptune. Chiptune? I tried to like read the Wikipedia page of chiptune and wrap my head around what it was. Yeah. To me, it kind of sounds like a music that almost has like an 8-bitty video game type uh, of sound, but not quite. Sure. Yeah, yeah. This one doesn't jump out as like you, you would see it in a video game. It seems like kind of slow and atmospheric. Yeah, but there are certain moments that are very video gamey. Like oh, really? When things start to like go south or get weird. Yeah. There's a sound effect, not a sound effect. It's like part of the score that almost sounds like if you were standing above hot lava on a rock in a video game, and the rock started to crumble. Like yeah, that's the yeah. noise you would hear. It's like. Doo, 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 doo. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh right, right. Yeah, now I know which part you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. there's that uh, kind of like trickly noise. Yeah. Right. That's, that's yeah, funny. I would encourage anybody, <laughs> as we're talking about this, like go check it out on Spotify. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Disaster yeah. Peace and Peace is spelled like World Peace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, solid soundtrack. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like one of the best. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this had a wide release in March of 2015. Yeah, 2015. Um, mm-hmm. David Roger, Roger, wow, David Robert Mitchell is uh, from Clawson, Michigan. This movie set in Detroit. Right. Uh, I kind of loved that it was set in Detroit. And this is where I'm sure we'll talk about it more. And something that often gets talked about with this movie is you don't always know. It's like purposely like, obscured what time period this takes place in. I know. Yeah. That's so, yeah, it's so hard to uh, like pinpoint it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely things that where you can put it in a time. Right. Period. Like it seems to be after the de- decline of Detroit, right? Yeah, that, that's the thing. I kept thinking '80s, but then it's showing like a very like destroyed uh, Detroit, uh, which it would have been thriving back then, right? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Um, from yeah. what little I know about Detroit's history, and there is a cell phone in the movie. There's a e-reader. So there's a who's got a cell phone in the movie? The girl from the very beginning. Oh. She's on the beach and she calls her dad. Oh. Good catch. Yeah, yeah. I totally missed that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, didn't we talk about, like, it, it must have been another episode, but the idea that in suburbs and, like, films a lot of times, like, suburbs kind of um, are older, like, artifacts almost. So, like, it, it can almost look like the difference between a city and a suburb, like, is going back 10 years or something. Um, did, did, didn't we talk about something like this? Uh, I don't remember. Ah, uh, maybe it was another movie. Um, cause like so many horror films are like in suburbs anyway, and there's like kind of an old time quality to suburbs, which I think is like a lot of what they captured here is, um, like, yeah, it feels in the eighties, but it could just be like current day, but suburbs are just like behind sometimes. 
Right. Like any, I mean the house. Oh, Oh, I feel like maybe I, I didn't quite understand what you're talking about. I think this came up maybe when talking about this movie, but we talked about the set design in stranger things and how the people who did the sets there were like, yeah, this takes place in the eighties, but Will's family doesn't have a lot of money. So their house would be seventies, like early seventies yeah. because it's dated. Yeah. They wouldn't there's have like re- an echo- redone it. Right. Right. There's like an economical uh, thing too, where like, yeah, certain families are going to have houses that look even older. Yes. I think that is very much present in this movie. Like the house definitely looks seventies, eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And you can, I feel like you can tell they're just clues to into like how much money they have, which mm-hmm. I just feel makes a movie seem more real. Yeah. <laughs> It does. It does. It, it, yeah. Uh, are you going off like the swimming pool or like the uh, the bikes? <laughs> um, I I say the way the house is decorated. Sure. Um, and then the like patio has those like white plastic chairs. Oh yeah, yeah. Like no yeah. knock against those. Like I had many a great night in those chairs, but it's just yeah. like very much screams like. St- solid middle of the road middle class like yeah yeah definitely not upper middle class right right yeah yeah i feel like they nailed that middle class vibe really well on this one yeah they really did there's a lot of stuff in this movie that just makes it feel really real to me which i'm sure we'll hit on as we walk through the plot and and review it more yeah yep um so the cinematography here was done by mike gulakis who did split glass and us Oh, yeah, I saw he worked with M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. I didn't know he did a split in glass. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. And they, um, both the cinematographer and David Robert Mitchell were fans of this, or are fans of this contemporary photographer named Gregory Crudson. Yeah, do you know that guy? I don't, but I looked at his photos and I was like, oh, yeah, I can see how they're influenced <laughs> by him. It very much looks like it could have been, you know, a a screenshot or a still from it follows from most of his yeah. stuff. Like, is it like very vintagey feel or something? It's got, yeah, like a vintagey feel. It's of neighborhoods and yeah, a lot of it seems kind of like working class neighborhood type stuff or yeah, even like, you know, edge of the city neighborhood type stuff. Sure. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they really hit that tone. Um, uh, have you seen, uh, like, could you tell like the cinematography overlapped with any of those other films or, uh, I, I thought it felt pretty unique here about it. I don't know if you caught any. Like, it would be interesting to watch those like side by side. I mean, Us is the only one I have seen of those. I still need to see Split and Glass. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't see similarities. I I would like yeah. to watch those side by side. I think that could be the mark of a really good cinematographer because you know, right. there's certainly something to be said for somebody who has their style and like does certain things really well. But yeah, right. Yeah. But like to do like one movie that's like so unique and different, it's pretty amazing. Right. Right. Um, this director, has he, have you seen any of his other films? I haven't, man. I've been meaning to watch like Under the Silver Lake at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think those... he's only done one more feature length, The Myth of right. the American Sleepover. Right. Right. Um, and neither of them have like been as popular as It Follows though. No. Nope. That's surprising. Yeah. Um... Yeah, any more? There's some more background, but uh, I think maybe I'll pepper it in as we go and walk through the plot and review stuff, spoil things. But um, any other background information you want to hit before we start um, to kinda, move on? 
I, I thought the inception of it was pretty cool. Like it's kind of based on a dream he had of being followed, and uh, oh, yeah. I, I think the whole movie's kind of got like a dream like quality to it, which uh, is interesting that it is inspired by one too. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. That's a cool, cool origin story. Yeah. I'd also like to hit that you've mentioned that your biggest fear is uh, the people you know being uh, something they're not, right? Yeah, that was definitely like a recurring, almost like a waking nightmare I had as a kid. Yeah, right. So, so I guess of... this could like, this touches on that a tiny bit. Yeah, yeah. Because it can look like... like the people you love. Right, exactly. Just to hurt you, says you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything else. You, uh, you got a how connection? Yeah. So our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio. And Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Tavern in Cleveland, Ohio, or bar and restaurant, rather. So you can check them out at Jukebox CLE on most social media. You can get beer, wine, and food to go safely from your car or hang out on their socially distanced patio. And Alex says, early in the film, the main character, Jay, is drugged by her boyfriend, Hugh. She awakens in the old Packard automotive plant chained to a wheelchair where Hugh explains the premise of the movie and what is to come next. The Packard Motor Company was a former luxury automobile manufacturer popular in the early 20th century. In the early 50s, Packard bought Studebaker, briefly forming the Packard Studebaker Corporation. However, the company mostly went defunct by 1962. Packard was founded in 1899 by James Ward Packard, his brother William, and their partner George Lewis Weiss. Early production consisted of 400 Packard automobiles built at their factory on Dana Street Northeast from 1899 to 1903 in the city of Warren, Ohio. Wow. <laughs> That's like a history lesson right we there. We got a whole chunk of automobile <laughs> history. Has he, has he seen this film? No. Oh, wow. I don't think um, so. Yeah, no, that's an interesting detail to pick up on, like that scene and like that uh, maker in the background. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. There's always somebody, I don't know if this is where he found it, I don't think so, but on IMDb, there's always somebody who will list the make and model of like every car in a movie <laughs> and the make and model of any guns used in the movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> is it the same guy doing both? I think it's the same guy and he's like... <laughs> 53 in his mom's basement with his yeah. belly sticking out from the bottom of his shirt. <laughs> He's just got like catalogs of like guns and cars. <laughs> yeah, does. like empty cans of squirt laying around him. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be us pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not maybe a little jealous of him. Yeah, I know. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm picturing like the comic book shop owner from The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That type of character. But like a weird, possibly <laughs> far right conservative. <laughs> um okay well uh anything else before we start spoiling the movie and we'll walk through the plot give our commentary and review as we go i'm good let's get into it cool uh do you mind if you we just like pause for one second there's been a squirrel in our house and i think i've got an idea for maybe how to trap him oh okay sure all right i'll be right back all right Okay, I'm back, man. I'm, I'm feeling confident. Were you able to get it? Not yet, but I know he'll need to drink water at some point, right? So what I've done is filled our tub with water, and I've surrounded it with electronics that are plugged into the wall. 
Oh, nice. Uh, so like when it jumps in there, you're going to throw the electronics at him? Exactly, yeah. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Classic uh, mousetrap, right? I don't see how it could fail. I don't either. Are you sure you don't want to jump in there? I, mean, I was going to say, I'm pretty dirty, so I'm actually in the tub right now, too, killing two <laughs> birds. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, you know, for the longest, I always thought, like, the third act of this movie is definitely the weakness, but I I think it can end up being a strength, so we'll talk more about that when we get to it. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, we'll walk through the plot a bit, give our commentary as we go, and the first scene... I've never noticed it before, but I think it's all one shot. Um, yeah. A girl runs out of her house in a like a nice suburban upper. This is probably like an upper middle class neighborhood in this shot. Mm-hmm. She runs out of her house, and I think she's just kind of like got like a PJs, her PJs on maybe, right? Some sort of a gown, and she looks like she's running from something, and she's like in the middle of the street, backing up. And some woman's loading groceries into her car and asks if she needs help. She says no. And then she like, you know, the suspenseful music is playing. She runs back into the house. Her dad's like, what's going on? Like, are you okay? She runs out with her high heels in her purse, gets in the car and speeds away. And then the next shot is her on a beach, like facing away from the water facing her car that's just like there with the headlights on shining on her and she's calling her parents and apologizing that like she can be such a shit sometimes and telling them that I love them like she knows she's gonna die and then the next shot is daytime and she's lying on the beach with one of her legs just like snapped like up in the air and snapped back towards her yeah like nearly ripped off is the other foot like removed from her body or something? I think it's still there. It just looks a little weird. I've oh, never okay. been able to tell exactly what's going on with that other foot. <laughs> I've seen this like seven times and every time I like pause it, I'm like, what is up with the left foot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't really tell you there. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed about this is it does what we kind of talked about in both our host episode and Invisible Man episode, like making use of empty space oh yeah like the visual clues and the score like it's all meant to tell us something is there but we can't see anything yeah yeah right um i think it can just really work for suspense i know i know that that's the craziest thing about this opening is uh it's so tense but like you never really see anything scary happen it's just the space of like you know she you know she sees something and uh and that's like scary enough yeah one thing I think they do with the cinematography here too, like, and it kills two birds with one stone. Sorry to use that phrase twice, but the <laughs> cinematography, like, so there's this threat, right? That anyone who's listening to this either has seen this movie or is willing to have it spoiled, but there's this threat that could be anything from anywhere. Yeah. So the camera's always like just kind of moving around the setting, yeah. like looking for it. But it also just like makes you feel like, which builds suspense, but I feel like it also just makes you feel like you inhabit this world. Like, I don't know. It just really gets, makes you feel like you're there. Yeah. I I think like in, in most scenes, like the camera is just focused on the action, but yeah, I I think the way the camera is done here is like, it's these long, like wide open shots of just like the surrounding and you're like looking for like the, the scary elements. And yeah, maybe that's what's like making you feel like you're there in that moment. Right. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Same. 
same. Um, you think if you're like, I, I try to imagine like watching this for the first time, uh, and like, you know, you, you don't know what the premise is at this part. Um, I mean, you and I are watching it again, you know, we know we're like looking out for something that she sees and like no one else can see, but, um, watching it the first time, like, do you, do you think it's effective? Yeah. I was trying to remember that this time cause I've seen it so much and it's been like six years since I first saw it five or six years. I feel like I thought it was pretty suspenseful and scary when I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think right. that worked. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, I think a lot of it, like it to your point is the cinematography, uh, that like the tenseness of like what's going on. And then like when the music kicks in, it's just like super loud too. Yeah. And I mean, the I, score I does it. so much for the scariness to me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely gets under your skin. Yeah. Um, and now the score transitions to like a more like beautiful, innocent melody as we watch Jay, our main character. She's swimming outside and they're like above ground pool. I've heard the house that she grew up in. Um, and she's kind of like watching nature. And one thing she does here that I, like, this is something that's always stood out to me in this movie. There's a few instances where she just interacts with nature in such a way that's like, just very familiar to my childhood and i imagine yeah. to most people like yeah there's an ant crawling on her arm she's in the pool and she just dips her arm into the water so that the ant like floats off into the water right <laughs> it just feels really real to me like i feel like i remember <laughs> doing that yeah exactly experimenting with bugs in water yeah 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 there are these like very casual like uh things uh that they feel very relatable yeah casual animal cruelty <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just feel like Jay is so real. Right. But um, so her sister comes out. She says like, hey, like Paul and Yara are over and we're going to watch a movie. They talk about how she's got a date that night and she's excited. So this is kind of like a hopeful opening. Um, and she goes inside. So we get introduced to the rest of the cast, which is her sister, Kelly, her sister's friend, Yara, and Paul, who is like also their friend and a neighbor. I think they're all kind of neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like all these characters are pretty real and the way they interact is real. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it, it just feels like summer vacation. Like everyone's just kind of hanging out like very naturally and like yeah. not really doing anything. Yeah, like uh, Jay like lets her wet hair like dangle onto her sister's face and she's like, stop it. And yeah, Yara farts and yeah <laughs> very natural chemistry yeah. yeah yeah um and so we see her getting ready for a date and there is a picture of her dad on the mirror they don't really like hit it heavy but her dad's on the mirror and never around like so you kind of get the idea that maybe he's passed away mm-hmm. um i assume i did on the first watch but i don't totally know yeah they never really dive into that yeah so she's on her date with this guy and they're playing this game. They're at a movie theater called the trade game where you like decide who in the room you would swap lives with. And the other person has to guess who you're talking about, which to me is a great setup for the reveal. Like, yeah, this guy is like, okay, I bet you'd trade places with that girl back there in the yellow dress. And she's like, who I can't see her. Yeah. And then this dude panics and they have to leave the theater and you have no idea why. Yeah. That was an amazing reveal. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, or not even a reveal, but like the, you know, now we're in it and things are moving forward. Yeah, it kind of felt like a a bit of a ghost story at that point. Like he's seeing something that uh, no one else can see. Right, right. And uh, yeah, good introduction to it. Yep. Um, Later on, they go on another date and they're like at the beach. They go back to his car. They have sex. 
after they have sex, he like, she's kind of just talking and he comes around the corner and chloroforms her and she passes out. And this is another point. So there's just like three or four times in the movie where, and I just feel like this is what transports me there and makes me, this movie just reminds me of my childhood a lot, even though these are all like late teenagers, Mm -hmm. like they're in their childhood neighborhood, in their childhood homes. And they talk about their childhood a lot. Yeah. But we see her like just playing with this weed and it's a first person shot, just like the ant thing was the first person shot. Like, yeah. We just see her interacting with nature in these really mundane ways a few times that just, it's like the only first person shots to me in the movie from what I remember. And it's just, it's striking to me. Yeah. Yeah. And she's kind of like giving this monologue too about like, uh, just like casually talking about things like she thought she could have done or what she would have done or something. Right. Like when she was young, she used to like daydream driving around with her friends. And I think she says now that we're old enough, where would we go? Yeah. Right. Right. Which I think seems to be kind of a common theme in the movie is like they feel kind of stuck in their lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's definitely a recurring theme in this. And yeah, I think the setting really speaks to it too. Yeah. Like the decaying suburb. Yep. So she wakes up tied to a chair in this old factory and he explains the whole situation to her. Like, like I just gave you something. It's an entity that follows you. It can only walk, but wherever you are, like it's always following to you. It's slow, but it's not dumb. Never go into a room that has more than doesn't have more than one exit. Sometimes it'll look like people you love just to hurt you, but it'll always look like somebody different. Mm-hmm. And while he's doing this, he kind of is letting the ghoul approach, just to, like let her know that it's real. Right. So like and in, a pretty pretty freaky scene to me. Yeah, because because like in this case, it was like a naked woman, like a middle aged woman or something. Yeah, it's almost always somebody who's at least partially naked. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be part one of the rule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta have something off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to like kind of seemed and like the whole walk is like pretty scary, right? Like the way they uh, there's like a it's it's a weird uh, walk that they do. Yeah, I mean, I feel like just like this. What's creepy about it is how slow and measured the pace is, and how the singular focus is just on. Yeah. Like, yeah. It doesn't look at anything else. It doesn't do anything else. It's just like a very much like a Michael Myers approach. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So he gets her out of there, drops her off at her house while they're all drinking on the porch. And she like collapses in the yard. Everyone's concerned. They call the cops. Nobody quite knows like what happened or what he did to her. Mm -hmm. Um, And she explains to her friends. I can't remember if she does this. She might do it after she sees well i'll just go to the school scene she's in class she's getting a lecture from the teacher and well i mean you know they all are the teacher is lecturing and she looks out the window and sees this old woman in kind of like a hospital gown yeah just slowly walking towards her right and she like freaks across out the schoolyard yeah yeah across the schoolyard out the window she freaks out goes into the hall the woman's in the hall she like says like hey or hello to the woman and just these other girls talking like look up and they're like hi like they clearly don't see this woman right so she's freaked out she leaves school she goes and meets her sister and paul at this ice cream shop they work at and tells them about it and paul offers to stay the night and so while he's over there they're downstairs and they hear a kitchen window break paul goes to check it out doesn't see anything and jay goes to check it out and sees this woman who looks like she's had the shit beat out of her yeah and right. 
she's got like a boob sticking out. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. She's peeing her pants. Yeah, peeing on the floor, right. Yeah, we've talked about that many times, it feels like. Right. Um, why there's always women peeing their pants in horror movies. Yeah, And yeah, she runs upstairs theme. into her sister's room. They're all like freaking out. And there's a knock on the door. Nobody wants to open it, but it's just Yara. And then from behind Yara comes this super tall dude who like ducks to get in the doorway. Yeah. And it's pretty freaky. Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes. That's awesome. Yeah. That dude is one half of the tallest twins in the world. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, he's they're, seven they're foot two seven. Of them? They they are seven foot seven, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um you know, I, I think there, there's a point here, uh, between when she sees the woman at the school and then like uh the stuff that goes down at the house where like I, I feel like there was a disbelief in her, uh, after that night where she had that encounter and, and the guy told him that like or told her that like these people are gonna start coming after you. And like, I think probably, uh, after seeing the woman at the school and then at the house, like kind of cemented it. Right. 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 That kind of drove it home. Yeah. That like, this is, this thing's for real. It wasn't just like some crazy, cause otherwise I feel like the movie was treating it kind of like as a one-off, like this guy kind of abused her and, and maybe raped her. And like, it's, it's like kind of like looked at as like a crime case or something. Right. But, right. Nobody's. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. so she like climbs out the window and gets on a bike and bikes to a local playground is just sitting on a swing, like looking for this thing to be coming. But her friends come and her sister come and they're just all like talking about what's wrong. And this other neighbor dude, Greg comes over and he's kind of like older and he gets his car and they're like, all right, well let's figure this out. And they're going to find this dude, Hugh. So they go to the house where he was staying. She's like seen it and knows where it is, but she's never been inside. And it's essentially this just abandoned house. He's got empty pop cans on strings, like rigged up on every entrance. Mm -hmm. Um, And they find a photo in like a penthouse magazine of him and his girlfriend. He's got his high school jacket on. Uh, So they're like, okay, this is where he went to high school. So they go to the school to try to figure it out. And one interesting fun fact I found about this house is it was a model of a house called, I think it's called like a four square house. Oh and the yeah. The concept was that you could like move around it in a circle. Like there right. were always two ways to go. Yeah, which yeah. Which would have made it like, like a perfect house for him to be in. Right. Yeah, yeah. Easy escape. Yeah, a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was pretty smart. So they go to this school, they find out who he is. And I had never noticed it before, but they so they go into like the head office or whatever to like talk to somebody about him. And while they're in there, the camera kind of like hangs back in the hallway and just does a 360 to scan everything so you can see like who might be coming. Yeah. And you and see that, some... right? What's oh, yeah, that? And then you see that one uh, woman, right? Yeah. You walking see a woman it. like walking through a courtyard that looks like a little ominous. And I've always seen that. But then later when they're in the car and they drive away, that same woman is walking towards them. Exactly. Yeah. So that was totally, that was the entity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I just like, I feel like I've never caught that one before for some reason. Yeah. I don't think I'd caught that one before either. Like, um, I think I've caught it in both times, but never realized it was the same person. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they, and that's one funny thing throughout the film is like uh, a lot of times characters will be like, Whoa, do you see that person? And they'll be like, yeah, we see them. And then, you know, like, okay, that, that's not it. But uh, then, yeah, there are times like this where that it probably was uh, the entity. Like, you never know, even as the viewer. Right, right. I noticed this time that the entity always seems to be wearing, like, white or red. Oh, interesting. Or white or and red. And, like, one boob out. Yeah, yeah, there's always a boob out. <laughs> or, or a dick or, at the Or a dong. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, they they end up going to his house. His mom answers the door. They have a convo in his backyard, and he's like, "Look, I'm sorry, I did it. Somebody did it to me. Just pass it on. Like all you got to do is sleep with somebody." Um, this is another nature moment. She's lining up. She's picking grass and just like lining it up on her thigh. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that, and that's when he was like, do you guys see that girl? Cause you see this woman approaching and they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those scenes was cracking up. It was a nice comedic relief moment. Yeah. Uh, these scenes like where, where she's like playing with nature, like, yeah, they had the blades of grass and stuff. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. Like, I mean, do you think it's like kind of a coping mechanism on her side where like what's happening outside of her is like so traumatic and like, she's kind of dialing back to like her, um, I don't know, almost like kind of childish tendencies. I think a little bit, but like only one of them is after this whole horrible thing has happened. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. I think there's just like kind of a coming of age story. Like there's a lot in this movie that grounds them to their childhood. And it's like yeah, one of the yeah. few movies where the actors look like they're the ages that they're depicting. True. I don't know yeah, what their yeah. real ages are. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. But they're kids and they kind of act like kids. Like Jay's yeah. the oldest at 19. So right. the other kids are probably, I don't know, 17, 18. Yeah, though Hugh was like supposed to be twenty one, but who who knows about him? Oh yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah, and it, like very much also has the feel of like a Stephen King type thing, where like a mm-hmm. it or Stranger Things, where it's all the kids against the, right. an entity, and no adults are in on it. Like, and they, exactly they can't tell anyone. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I I like that. It kind of makes it feel like a movie about kids, even though they're possibly technically adults. But at that right. age, you know, I think you're still very much a kid. Yeah, and I think it's very purposeful. Like, they never, like, show the mother's face really clearly or anything. There was, like, the parents there was, like, not there. Right, right. And I noticed this time that, though, like, I've definitely noticed the mom drinking, but I don't think she ever appears without a wine bottle in the same shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Definitely some shade being thrown that way. Yeah. Um, so the next thing they do is go to Greg's lake house just to get kind of far away and think. And this was, like, I just loved this scene the first time I saw it. They're hanging out Mm -hmm. on the beach and like Yara is walking up to the beach from the lake house and like you see her walking from the shot that includes Jay and then there's another shot with Paul and the water's behind him and then you see Yara like float by on a floaty behind him so you're like oh shit (laughs) that's not Yara behind Jay. Oh you thought that was Yara walking up? Yeah I mean it is Yara like the Uh, ghoul looks like Yara. Oh I didn't connect that That, that's that looks like Yara? Yeah, yep. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so you see her, and yeah, and you're just like, okay, that's just her friend, but it's the ghoul. Yeah. Um, and so this is where everyone else knows it's for real. Like, it grabs Jay's hair, which they can see. Paul hits it with a chair, and the chair, like, breaks on it, and then it knocks Paul across the room. They flee mm-hmm. to a shed, and it, like, knocks a hole in the shed, and it turns into this, like, little boy who walks in. Um, yeah. And then Jay, like, flees out the other way of the shed, gets in a car, speeds away, and crashes the car. Uh, you know what I, what I loved here, and, and I think we saw this maybe at the school, too, where, like, uh, the camera doesn't linger on the entity. Like, 
it, it like you see it walking up to uh, up to the main character like from a distance, uh, and then the camera pulls away and it's like back to the conversation and like as a viewer you're like freaking out you're like oh my god that thing like we just saw is like walking up closer then it turns back to Jay and like you see it let's like come a little bit closer then like pull the camera pulls away again back to the normal conversation and like that that's like such a like a, a mind fuck in a way because yeah. like you know this thing is coming and like the camera is not like watching it. Yeah, there's a lot of just, like, lurking and, like, giving you time to be like, shit, this thing's coming. Yeah, yeah, and, like, that, yeah, like, why aren't we, like, focusing on this? I also love in this scene it changes, like, I love that it can change the way it looks, and in this scene it changes, like, four different times. Yeah, right, right. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a really cool power of it. Yeah. And did you notice that little boy was the same little boy who was, like, watching her in the pool in the beginning, like a neighborhood kid? Oh, no, I didn't notice that at all. That's interesting. Yeah. So every time uh, it's it's something like um, is it someone like that you would recognize or is it like there's a chance it's random? I think sometimes it's random. Every once in a while, it's someone we would recognize. Like I read okay. that the first ghoul was um, Hugh's mom. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. The, the the woman that answers the door when they go to see Hugh. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Which would make sense if it's like it really does turn into people you love to hurt you. Like yeah. That, he would just really pass cool. it on to somebody else. So like, this is now his mother, like seeing what he's right. done, seeing that he's got this woman tied up to a chair. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Pretty That's cool. Dark. Yep. Um, so in the hospital, she's recovering. You get a nice suspenseful moment here where she's the only one awake. Her friends are there, but they're asleep and you hear footsteps approaching. <clears throat> it's just a nurse. But like, what would she have done in that situation? I know. <laughs> I know. Cause they like, to, they, she's in the hospital twice in this movie, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I think like, one time for her and then one time Yara's in the hospital at the end. Oh, I, and then I thought like after the, uh, w- after the first night when she gets, uh, abducted by that guy, doesn't she go to the hospital? Them, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe not then. Uh, but yeah, that seems like a, a the last place you'd want to be if something's coming for you. Right. Like trapped in this room. Yeah. Um, so in the hospital, she decides to have sex with Greg to pass it on. He's always seemed like pretty nonchalant about this. Like he isn't scared um Mm -hmm. and then after that she just becomes kind of like reclusive she's watching greg from her window a lot he doesn't seem to think it's real and to me this was kind of reminiscent of nancy like looking out her window in nightmare on elm street at johnny depp's house like oh yeah right worrying that he's not taking this as seriously as her oh my god yeah yeah you're right and then like going to call him and stuff yeah yeah right and she tries to call him so Jay does the same thing. She sees Greg walking down the street in PJs toward his house. And the door is locked, so he breaks the window with a rock. So this is not Greg. She tries to call, and then she runs over, and she sees his mom knocking on the door with a boob hanging out, of course, knocking on Greg's bedroom door. And then this is a part of the movie where, like, I can totally see someone having beef with, and maybe I have beef with it, too. Uh-huh. This, Greg opens the door, and she, like, lunges on him, and Jay runs over and sees the ghoul like humping Greg, like dry humping Greg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, he's dead and there's like moisture down there. Like, I can, yeah, I couldn't tell what that was. What, what was going like on down peeing there? And humping him to death. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You, did you see an explanation about that or like why? No, I haven't seen anything explaining that. Like, I feel mm. like whatever the explanation is, they should have just like shown Jay's reaction. Like, yeah maybe don't even show us what's going on in there. Right, right. Yeah, it's such yeah, a mysterious it, entity. It's like, okay, it's going to get to Jay and then 
hump her yeah. and she'll just pass away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's weird. I mean, like, the impression you have from, like, the first kill of that uh, woman on the beach and then um, how it, like, attacked the friends on when they were at the beach, like, you think it's, like, the strong thing that's just going to come and, like, kind of break your bones and stuff. Right, and, like, violently kill you. Yeah, not necessarily, like, hump you. Yeah, pretty weird. strange. Yeah, yeah, strange attack move. Um, so she runs out of there, gets in the car, and drives to the beach where she sleeps on the hood of her car, wakes up in the morning, and she hears music coming from a boat and sees like three dudes out on a boat kind of partying. And we see her swim out there, presumably to have sex with one of these dudes and pass it on. Mm-hmm. She drives back home and her hair is wet. Her cast is wet because she broke her arm in the car accident earlier when she was fleeing from Greg's lake house. And Paul is there and he asks like why did you pass it on to greg instead of me like i liked you too and she says she thought greg would be okay and he wasn't scared Mm -hmm. and paul tells her he's got an idea so they all are driving away from the house to pursue paul's idea and we see this naked dude on the roof (laughs) as they leave for the pool uh so the entity was close yep (laughs) that that's scary seeing that guy up there it's, it was kind of freaky the first time I saw it. Yeah, yeah. A naked dude on the roof. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind yeah. of an interesting visual. A well-placed penis can be pretty scary. It can. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. There are multiple, multiple ways to read that. They're all true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so they head to like this community pool that seems kind of deserted, right? I assume they broke in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the and it's plan, like pretty, pretty far from their house, too. It seems like it, yeah. 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 The plan is they plug in all this electrical equipment around the pool. By the way, all this electric equipment was like very 80s too. There wasn't like a single modern thing oh, in the bunch. Yeah. It was like an iron and like a, what, what else was there? A couple like a old track? TVs, a lamp, maybe a radio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Jay is hanging out in the pool with all these electronics around her and they're all waiting. And it walks in, she points it out, they try to shoot it, and, like, Paul has a gun and is trying to shoot it and ends up shooting Yara in the leg on accident. Kelly finally, like, grabs a sheet and throws it over the thing, and Paul is able to shoot it in the head. Oh, and by the way, it's taken the form of her deceased father. Right. Um, so it falls into the pool after it's shot in the head, but it grabs Jay by the foot and she can't get out. Paul manages to shoot it again in the head and we see like blood fill the pool. Jay is out and we don't really know what quite has happened here. If they killed it mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. Well, yeah. We mm-hmm. later see Jay has sex, having sex with Paul and the last shot of the movie is them walking down the street on a beautiful day, holding hands with someone following behind them. We also see, bef- like, in b- before that shot, Paul, like, perusing sex Processes. workers. Like, yeah. driving around, like, shady neighborhoods. And right. looks like he's thinking about, like, passing it on to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, like, you, you feel like the end is, like, kind of ominous. Like, we don't know if uh, he passed on or not. Or, like, if that thing following them at the end is, is that or not, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I think they make the point pretty clear that she's passed it on to paul yeah um but yeah you don't know is that thing gonna get them or did he pass it on to somebody like and that's just somebody in the neighborhood walking behind them 
Yeah. What, um, what do you think? I, I feel like there's a 70% chance that that's the uh, entity coming for them. What do you, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think that Jay passed it to Paul. Paul considered passing it to someone else, but didn't. Mm. And now they're just like in it together and like each have their own, each other's back. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, Which yeah, I think is it, like a really romantic, lovely ending. <laughs> Holding hands against the world, just the yeah, two of us. Right? Like we're yeah. in it together now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a that's a very nice sentiment. Yeah. And I, I kind of love the Paul, like character, the character of Paul anyway. Like throughout the whole movie, he's just kind of like been there and been willing to do anything for Jay. Right. Yeah. They have this whole like backstory where like he was like they were each other's first kiss back in the day. Right. Right. And like it's clear from the beginning he has a crush on her. Right. But he's not like it's not like a nerd gets the girl in the end type thing. It's just like a very sweet understated like I'm here for you like and I always will be if you want me to. Right. And I've got this idea and it's a really stupid fucking idea and it doesn't work (laughs) at all. (laughs) It was a really dumb idea. (laughs) It's a really dumb idea. Yeah. But, and I forgot, I forgot to mention this entity like picks up all these electronics and is whipping them into the pool at Jay. Oh man. Yeah. That was awesome. Luckily like the electricity thing doesn't work, but she's like getting hit in the head with TVs. Yeah. Yeah. That was brutal. Like huge things coming at her in the water. Yeah. Yeah. And so I and, always yeah. thought like this third act is kind of a flop. Like the whole movie's building up to this and it's a yeah. stupid idea. Like it would never work. <laughs> They've already shot the thing once at Greg's Lake house. So they know like a gunshot doesn't necessarily kill it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the things I like about it is that it's like so plainly a stupid idea. Like the, the entity comes in and he's just like, Oh fuck this. <laughs> and picks this stuff up and starts whipping it at it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> he like takes advantage part? of the stupidity of it. And then yeah. I think it like adds to Paul's character and that he's like, he's not like, it's not like a zero to hero moment or anything. It's just like a, he fucked up, but like he's still there and he's like still rolling with it, you know? Yeah. I think it's similar to your comment earlier, like with, with how she interacts with nature. It's like, the, it just kind of reminds you of what their age is. And like this yeah. plan is kind of like emblematic of like, hey, these kids, they're like young teenagers or they, they don't know how to like come up with a great plan. Right. This is like the best they could do. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, how, many, how many of your master plans when you were growing up involved uh, going in the pool? <laughs> to thwart, a, a lot, a lot <laughs> thwart of them. danger. Yeah. Everybody meet back up at the pool. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and a well-placed penis out of scare the lights out of them. Um, <laughs> I feel like this, this kind of transitions into like them being like just kids and not really knowing quite what to do. I feel right. like so many people who, there are definitely a lot of people who just like, not only don't really see what the praise of this movie. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of horror nerds are like, yeah, this movie is the shit. And there are definitely some people who are like, it's fine. And there are some people who are like, what are you even talking about? And I think a lot of people get hung up on the fact, like, why don't they just get on a plane and get out of there? (laughs) Or like constantly be going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, there there are some like loopholes here. Like, what if you like caught it in a room and closed the door and like locked it in there or something? Or, um, yeah, or if you hung out on a boat for a few days or, or something like that. Right. Um, but, but you can't like poke too many holes in this, right? Right. It's the kind of premise where, yeah, if you want to start poking holes in it, it's not reality. Like, so you're right. bound to find something that doesn't work. Right. But it's just like 
frustrating to me because it's like, well, does that mean you shouldn't make a movie about this? Like, it's a yeah. really cool idea. Like, don't let that stop you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think like some of it, it like goes in keeping with that theme. Like, they're all like Jay's in community college. Like, at some point, uh, Greg is like, it kind of sucks being stuck here when everyone else is gone. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And I think the movie kind of has other themes that point to like, they feel a little bit stuck there or like life isn't really going anywhere. And, mm-hmm. um, clearly like it doesn't seem like Jay would have the money to do anything that gets her like far away and back again. <laughs> yeah. She's not buying a plane ticket anytime soon. Right. Like it doesn't seem like it, it doesn't seem like her mom's a shithead, but she may not be the most supportive or present. Like, yeah, she works a lot. She's a single parent and she seems like she has an alcohol problem. Yeah. Right. Um, and pray, I feel like that might even be part of the reason for Jay's monologue right before she gets chloroformed. Like now that we're older, like where would we even go? Like, right. You know, they don't yeah. know what to do or can't go anywhere. Probably like they don't have endless gas money. Exactly. Yeah. They feel kind of trapped in this in an ice cream stand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think you're right. Like if, if you didn't have all that, then, then you could put holes out this and, and say like, yeah, there's so many ways you could have like outsmarted this uh, monster or whatever. But I think like that uh, that part you just mentioned like takes up so much of the film and like so much of that backstory that like this uh, it there this entity kind of feels like an extension of that feeling that like this thing is coming after you you're trapped and you can't escape it, it kind of like ties into all of that um, feeling and conversation happening. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know the back to the anachronisms a little bit. We said there's an e-reader, so Yara is like mm-hmm. periodically just reading from this e-reader. She's reading the idiot throughout the uh course of this movie yeah um by dostoyevsky i think right uh, i don't know i've never actually heard of that book have you uh, i haven't but i'm going to now okay but one of the quotes she reads oh let's see if i can find it was this like when she's in the hospital there's something like that but then she comes home from when she comes from home from her date with greg and like crashes like collapses on the porch mm-hmm uh, like right before that, all the kids are like hanging out, drinking beer on the front porch and stuff like that. And Yara, shit, I can't find my little quote. Oh man. But it's a quote from the, the, uh, the book, the idiot. And yeah. she's like, it's essentially like if you're like in a house and the walls are crashing around around you and the ceiling's caving in, I imagine one, one must feel like an overwhelming desire to just sit down, close your eyes and quietly wait for it to happen. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah. she reads that aloud, and I think Kelly is like, yeah, that's why we're drinking on the porch. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of, like, encapsulates, like, how they're all feeling. Just, like, yeah. shit's going nowhere. Right. Which, like, I mean, in the context of, like, being in Detroit and, like, the, you know, the, the, all the ruin that's happened there, uh, it's just, like, so appropriate, like, in that setting. It's, it's amazing. Right, right. Yeah, I feel like that's a big part, like, that works its way into the theme, too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like even like that game they play at the theater, like if you could pretend to be someone else, like who would you be? And like the Hugh, Hugh I think, uh, picks like this young kid because he's got so much potential. So those just kind of talk about like how there's like potential in the world that isn't like available to them. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really cool theme uh, throughout. And, mm-hmm. it, and like I feel like it ties like directly to the, the scare and the monster. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like it really just makes this movie like and relate like relatable everyone feels yeah. that way at some point or another totally totally um, um 
Jay's character, like, uh, all the stuff she goes through, like, I mean, in this movie, like, she has to, like, sleep with, like, so many people, right? Just to kind of rid, her, rid herself of this. Right. It's like a survival technique. So, like, at the end when um, she does, like, finally connect with Paul and, like, they're holding hands and stuff, um, I, I had mixed feelings. Like, is she there, like, anymore? I mean, she's got to be so, like, traumatized and, like, in this, like, state of, like, shock and, like, disorientation. Um, like, how, how much hope did you have for her at the end? You know, there was a scene at the end where they're all around Yara's hospital bed when she's recovering from getting shot at the pool by Paul. Yeah. Um, and Paul is asleep, and you see Jay, like, gazing over at him lovingly. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a resolution for me, and that, like, she's happy now. Interesting, yeah. And there was actually yeah. a quote from the director. He said, Jay... Opens herself up to danger through sex. Sex is the one way in which she can also free herself from that danger. We're right. all here for a limited amount of time and we can't escape our mortality, but love and sex are two ways in which we can at least temporarily push death away. Sure. Yeah, I saw that quote. I was like, is he just saying like that we should go back to like the 60s and like an open, uh, like, I, yeah, I, I wasn't sure what he was going with that, like a free love. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's just like about like fleeting moments of pleasure. <laughs> I guess. But like to, to call like what she went through in this movie, like uh, a lot of those encounters, like, I mean, they, they weren't from like a place of pleasure, right? Right, like, even right. When, when she's like with Greg or like the guys on the boats, like those had to be like pretty uh, like horrific things to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because it's like some of it goes from horrific and it, it seems like kind of a sensitive subject too, but like at the coming of age thing, I feel like maybe part of the coming of age is like realizing like every time you have sex, isn't going to be like a magical thing. Oh yeah. Like, and with Greg, she says, Oh, it's, it's no big deal. We had already had sex once in high school. Oh, right. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Not to say her like, you know, like (laughs) stiff upper lip, Jay, you're just having sex to pass this thing up. Like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's horrible and traumatizing, but I feel like that's part of like the coming of age and like, sure. Um, not like that that should just be part of coming to age, but it kind of fits yeah. in that theme. And so like the first time we see Jay, she's in that pool with like all that, the hopeful music playing. It's a bright sunny day. After she comes back from that scene where she presumably maybe swam out to that boat to have sex with one of those dudes, we see like a shot of the pool like collapsed and withered, like a bunch of leaves in it and stuff. I feel like that kind of symbolized like, you know, we have this hopefulness of her about to like get ready for this big date with this guy she liked. And now she's just right. like crushed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was wondering if that was like a metaphor for her, like her mental state or emotional state. Right. Uh, that's interesting contrast. Yeah. I like to think that Paul wasn't just a settling thing. It was just like a, that's part of growing up too. Like learning that like maybe the flashiest thing isn't the thing that's really what you need. Sure. Yeah. It was... Hughes chiseled jawline may not be maybe what she wants but not what she needs yeah yeah I don't know if Greg was like this this hunk or anything but yeah he kind of had like that bad boy appeal right right kid kid with the lake house yeah um you know one other thing I've noticed about everything being kind of anachronistic and not being able to place a time period Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this like this is like definitely like harkens back to like early 80s slashers and like you, when you think about that, you can kind of think about like the slasher resurgence with like Scream and I don't know, I still know what you did last summer, those type mm-hmm. of movies. Yeah. And I feel like when you watch those movies, they are such a time capsule of the period. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so 90s. Oh yeah, sure. 
And I feel like that's an advantage this movie has is that all the weirdness about time and when this takes place, like just makes it a bit more timeless to me. Yeah. Yeah. The ambiguity of it. Yeah. Like it won't feel as dated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about like Kevin Williamson wrote Scream and I know what you did last summer in the faculty. I feel like he always used like really hip trendy dialogue too. But the dialogue in this movie is so like basic and straightforward, but also so yep. realistic that that doesn't and won't date the movie either. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. It's just like people talking to each other. Yeah. I mean, do you think there's like a generational component? Like maybe like you and I and like people in our age group are going to like hail this movie because it like lets us relate to like our childhood, but it's also like there's something modern about it with like what's going on in Michigan and stuff. Um, but like when you look at other generations, either before us or after us, are they going to see the same familiarity and like um, resemblance to their childhood? Like, are they going to bond with the movie the same way, or do you think this is like made for like our like '80s kids, basically? Right, right. That's a good point. It could be. I mean, it could be very much dated to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, what? that's part of it because I mean, this this hits on all sorts all sorts of nostalgia for me. Right. Just like, and it's so real too. Just like the kids. And I talked about in our top five episode how this neighborhood reminds me of like a neighborhood where my cousins lived and where my best friend growing up lived. Like it was just like seeing where I spent a good chunk of my childhood. And it just kind of nailed it, like hanging out, killing time with your friends, like yeah, drinking on a front porch out of a soda can that you've like dumped half out and dumped <laughs> some short shitty liquor into the rest of it. Yeah. The sleepovers and the like at through night and then like the daytime naps together. Right. Yeah. 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 Hanging out in those shitty pools. Yeah. Maybe this just really was like made for our generation. Yeah. Yeah. This part that feels like it, which I mean, like, you know, you look at like the last five, six years, you've had so many movies that try to capture that eighties by like Stranger Things, Super 8, uh, the It's franchise. And like that, I think that's what's so great about this one is like, it's getting that vibe without, but like potentially without even like, I mean, I feel, do you feel pretty confident this wasn't the eighties? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty confident. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so it couldn't like, have been with the cell phone, unless right. this somehow <laughs> like future type. I don't know. And Saved by the Bell didn't Zach have? Well, I guess it was '90s, but he had like that car phone or whatever. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's kind of like you get the best of both worlds here, where it isn't like that typical like '80s flashback uh, and and like playing up to that trope, but it's giving you that sense, which is really cool. Right, right. And and obviously the soundtrack adds a lot to that. Yeah. What what's wrong with this movie? Like what we both really love this movie. We praised it a lot. Like what else do you think people might not like? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to play like devil's advocate on this one. Um, yeah. You know, t- two things that that I, I would have liked to see more. If you think about it, the attack scenes, are all like very brief. Like uh, it's always uh, you see them briefly from a distance, and then the main character is like running away. Like uh, there's only that one I think with uh, Jay where his mom humps him, um, and uh, and that one at the pool, which is like the the guy's just throwing stuff at him. Yeah. Or at her, so it would have been cool to see more of like what happens when um, these monsters or whatever like connect with the person. Right. Um, yeah, there's only a body count of like two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Most of it's like off of screen, right? When yeah. people die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the the second was when they do find uh, Jeff, uh, like the the guy that they thought was Hugh, but turns out to be Jeff. There isn't like that much of an emotional like, uh, you know, you you betrayed me, like you, you uh, we had sex, then you like. Uh, you know, but knocked me out and tied me to a chair. It's just like very much like they just started hanging out in the backyard talking together. Yeah. That, yeah. That was a little weird. I, I kind of took it as JB and a little like checked out at that point. And Oh yeah. Greg was trying to 
kind of play that role. Like, like, what did you do to her, man? And like, can't believe this. And then it just yeah. kind of like petered out. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. Maybe she just wasn't like feeling like in the attack mode. She yeah. was more freaked out. And it was also weird, you know, like there's no like playbook for that situation. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. That's a strange uh, scenario. Yeah. Uh, th- those are only two, only two things I could think of. What about you? Yeah, I think the uh, like the plot holes of like you can just get on a plane or whatever. Um, yeah. David Robert Mitchell has said that theoretically the thing could board a plane as well. <laughs> which is funny to think about so like so you fly someone like a few days later that one boards a flight and then shows up. like i'm thinking of a sequel that just shows like a bunch of strangers on a plane with like one standing person in the middle yeah yeah exactly scooching out of, out of the way for like the drink cart yeah <laughs> with a boob hanging out yeah with one boob hanging out of course in their oh god that'd be the best movie <laughs> do like doing the layover somewhere like changing gates <laughs> like watching a movie on their laptop yeah eating an annie ann's pretzel exactly yeah regretting uh, too it too good um yeah, yeah that, between that and the third act like kind of being just a mess like i don't think it's really a mess but you know it's if you're waiting for some giant buildup, that may not be it for you. Yeah, though, I mean, that, that is like the longest attack scene we get. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is kind of anticlimactic. Right, right, and, and a silly idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is pretty silly. Yeah, which I think makes sense for the characters, but... Right, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to like hold them to a higher standard. Yeah. Um, um, all right, well, uh, zero out of five uh, dudes hanging dong on a roof, what do you give this movie? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I gotta go with a five. Uh, I think every time I see it, uh, I get I give it more dongs. So, yeah, five five D's with dongs on the roof. But I'm just like throwing dongs at my TV. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. more dongs, more dongs. <laughs> Reach into my bowl of dongs on my end table and check a few. Uh, yeah, exactly. man, I, I give it a five as well. Like, it just fires on all cylinders for me. Like, I feel like. I have an emotional connection to it too, but like technically like the cinematography is great. The acting is great. I mean, it's like very realistic, naturalistic, but I yeah. think that's great. I think the script is great. The dialogue is great. Cinematography, right. the score, like it all just clicks together. And the score, yeah. not only is it just like one of the best scores to me, but it's just like, so fits this whole weird anachronistic time period thing too. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It totally aligns with it, with that time yeah. feel of it. I don't even know if anachronistic would be the accurate word to use, but boy, have I said it a lot. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what that word means, but yeah. I'll assume so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, this it's so unique how many of the elements they got right on this. And like, I don't think, like, I, and I know you said this was your top. I can't think of a movie that like hits on all those angles so well. Yeah. Like, I, I, do you think this movie that even comes close to like hitting all of those things, like being familiar, like so emotional and like really well acted, best score, like great cinematography. I think, I, uh, for me at least personally, like Get Out and The Shining come yeah. close, but for like very different reasons. Those are very sure. different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. They hit in like other ways for sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah, there's something really unique about this film and, uh, yeah, I, I want to call it like one of the best films that, that horror films that I've ever seen. Yeah. For sure. Same, same. And I think like it's, it's not scary to me anymore, but like every Halloween I pick a movie to show my wife that I think she can handle. And like, this was the wrong movie. Like I, oh. I think it's still a scary movie. 
Yeah, yeah. It is, it is. My, my wife just heard the music and like couldn't stay in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this was like two or three years ago where I was like, let's watch It Follows because I love it and I think you can yeah. handle it. And yeah, she wow. was not a fan. I mean, she yeah. thought it was a well-made movie, but she was she was on edge. It's scary, man. I think I think those ghosts are not the ghosts, but the the entity you see, like the the people, they like the makeup and effects there are like pretty good. Yeah, the appearance is always great. The effects also, or the special makeup effects, uh, I think they were done by Robert Kurtzman, I believe. Oh, okay. So, yeah, a name we know well. Um, yeah. Anything else yep. on this movie? No, no, fun watch. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fitting that we waited till October to cover this and that it's probably going to be one of our longest episodes ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we've gone for another hour on this one. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, dude. Well, uh, I guess that's it then. Thanks everybody. This has been our discussion on it follows. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you could leave us a five star ratings rating on Apple podcasts. That really helps other people listen to our show and find our show. Um, and we really appreciate it. You can find us on horrormovieclub.com. That's got links to all of our socials, including our Discord server, where we're hanging out and talking to friends and listeners and just movie fans. Always some good discussion going on there. Uh, our art is done by Amy May Popart. You can find her on Etsy.com by searching Amy May Popart, all one word. She's got all sorts of fun horror-themed art you can buy, uh, so go check that out. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. If you want to support the show financially we've got a tiny bit of extra content out there and hopefully are going to put something out on halloween there as well uh i think that's it so until next time uh always practice safe sex and never enter a room that doesn't have more than one exit good advice yeah especially when you're practicing safe sex make sure there are multiple exits (laughs) i see an exit could just be a way to make that sex safer if you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah, good call. Multiple methods. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you talking about butts? <laughs> no, I was talking about pulling out. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs>